Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to another level of Laugh It Up Fuzzball. And honestly, I have no idea what level number it is because welcome to April showers, mother truckers. Uh, it's better than a golden <laughs> shower, but it's not not a Mayflower because that brings pilgrims and uh, settler colonialism. So boo. we're not gonna, yeah, boo. Boo, colonialism. <laughs> boo. Boo, settlers. We're going to talk about that later in the episode, I promise. <laughs> but hey, uh, <laughs> you're like, whoa, laughing up fuzz balls. Uh, that means friends, but already so many voices. And yeah, uh, I think, well, so I was talking to Danny about it. I think there has been a five person episode once, but one of the people didn't talk, so I don't think that counts. So <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. I think this is uh, the, uh, l- oh shit, Danny wanted to join. I forgot to message him. Oh well. He, oh, wanted, he, he wanted to listen and he said it would be our first live recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that, but I get this will force him to actually listen to an episode for once, though, right? Uh, he, he listens to. Oh, he listens. Yeah. Oh, does he? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't listen if his voice is on the podcast. That's what it is. But that's all he was saying. I was thinking five five opinionated voices, and uh, of course you know me, Joe the Wookie Riot. But I am all joined by you probably heard his dulcet tones, Benjamin Blueford Blue, the Earl of Blueberry. Oh yeah, that's a tight nickname. Yeah, yeah, that's that's semi recent. Definitely, the honorifics take time. And then uh, you've heard her wonderful voice. It's always nice to have a lady voice on the podcast from Autumn Talks Movies, which was, I think, like three years ago. Although it hasn't been three years since we've talked. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Maker. But yeah, by Autumn. Autumn. Uh, Hello. She, she of the, the never, never recorded episodes, Autumn Talks Movies. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Every time, like we're gonna be old and in our dotage, or like, whatever happened to Autumn oh, Talks? Whatever movies? happened to that television show? No, it wasn't a television show. It was a podcast. Oh, I remember podcast. Now we <laughs> just uh, holograph into the room with all the famous people. Watch them <laughs> do it live. Skype, but holograms. Oh Beautiful. man, I, I can't wait to save this screenshot I took when like I lo- uploaded my video and it froze and all three of you had like classic faces and I was like screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't have to print screen, but uh, yeah, by Autumn. And then of course you've heard him on the podcast before twice because there's a part one, part two. But uh, back when we did uh, Marvel people on uh, the Justice League and uh, DC people on the Avengers, none other than world famous podcaster Stephen Thomas. Hello, hello. Thank Somebody you for having who, me again. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Someone who had a podcast before me. Wow. <laughs> in, the, in the before times. The before before times. times, yes. Yeah, which uh, once once upon a time would have would have felt like silly, but now like almost seven years later, like yeah, the before times. <laughs> When it was just you and Sean with podcasts and then those other hacks that pretended they had them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, <laughs> shut up the games on. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then 
you're like five voices yes we're also joined by blues been trying to get him on the podcast forever and mm-hmm. uh we sh- really should be best friends and know each other better because we know all the same friend groups but we've never hung out other than blues wedding uh cameron I am the mysterious newcomer. I want you to picture me in a long trench coat and fedora for the uh, purposes of this conversation, if at all possible, please. Mm. Okay. So like, like old like noir detective, like, she, oh yeah, we're yeah. A la uh, uh, um, mysterious stranger Fallout Four is kind of the vibe I'm going for. So yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Perfect. Yeah, but you have Cameron, bestie of Steven, great friend of the other two, and honestly, the cast of. Uh, Capes and caverns. Capes mm-hmm. and caverns. Capes and caverns. Capes and caverns. Capes yeah. and caverns. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a cavern. There's some capes in it. We got we got some capes. Um, I I don't know if we've ever actually gone into a cavern. Well, we've let me tell you about the caverns. Caves. No, we we've definitely gone into caves underground. That counts. Caves, yeah, but I don't know if they've been. Caverns. I have been exploring what distinguishes a cave from a cavern? You don't think, remember that entire underground city? That counts as a cavern. I think, isn't a cavern smaller than a cave? No, or is a cavern, cavern larger than a cave? Caverns larger with stalactites and stalagmites. Oh, okay. Then we've definitely been in a cavern. There you go. go. <laughs> there you go. Thank goodness we settled that. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up on my podcast. Good. Now this is this this is the venue for this conversation. Ours. This is good. It is. But uh, yes, so- I'm taking over Joe's podcast just so that we can talk about whether or not Cajun Caverns <laughs> officially fulfills its name. Much oh, like God. Dungeons and Dragons never fulfills. It's going to be 45 minutes down the line in this conversation, and you're just going to tune back in in here. Now, stalactites are go down because the T, right? That's important <laughs> for us to know. So I just want to say that I'm the big nerd that looked this up, and a cavern is a cave or a chamber in a cave, typically a large one. Ooh. So I, I guess that makes caves bigger. Right, caverns are both bigger and small. That's a bad definition. I feel so lied, lied to at Carlsbad. It's like this is a cave, motherfucker, a large motherfucking cave. <laughs> oh, that's right. We can totally curse on this, can't we? I also yeah. came to that conclusion just now, Cameron. Yes. And I know you introduced the show with like, <laughs> "Hey, mother truckers," and I was like, "Oh, okay, we got to right. be careful." Well, if, we if everyone wants to stand want. back, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turn twat. <laughs> I fucked your mom. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, my gosh. I love you all the time, but especially now. <laughs> uh, do you guys not curse on your podcast? Uh, we keep it to a minimum. We, uh, we do, but we I we mean, try not to make it excessive. I mean, the same rule applies, but I, I'm oh. like one third <laughs> into a giant whiskey sour. So it's yeah. Fine. So we're we're just going to say if, uh, if your little ones are falling asleep to our dulcet tones. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and what? There's a certain level head. of child where, you know, the words are just jumble anyway. You Go know? to sleep and remember horseshit. I see that. I've told Blue <laughs> this. I like to think of this podcast as if it serves no other purpose. Someday when I'm old and gray and I'm gone, that like my kids will share this with my grandchildren and be like, this is what Crapple was like. And I imagine that somehow they stumble on this episode first and foremost, and the lady voice is like, they don't know it's Blink-182. They don't even know what music is anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just sound waves in the brain, Grandpa. But, uh, and they're like, oh, they're using archaic profanity. 
Well, because they're totally going to be like, Jinky Toy Twa. Like, you know, that's how they're going to curse in the year 2000. Right? How did they curse in, like, the early 1400s, you know? Jinkies. Like, in the Victorian era, it was like, dash my wig. Ugh. Whoa, that is too much. Yeah, although, I I feel isn't the image of a Victorian person absolutely swearing a chain a wonderful image? Like, imagine a main character from, like, a Murdoch Mysteries or a time-traveled Doctor Who just... Son of a fuck! Just like there's there's a power in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same side of when you hear it on Star Trek Discovery when just somebody busts out a swear word because they can get away with that on Paramount Goose. (laughs) Ooh, interesting. Minus, you mean? Yes. Oh my. Really. No, that 100% has to do with their app being unsustainable, but it works really great on Amazon Prime. Not that Bezos needed the fucking plug, but uh... yeah, cut that out. Hi, Jeffrey. Hope you're listening. Your your grandchildren are still gonna be like, "Wow, Bezos is still alive. I can't yeah. believe he figured out that medical technology and still has shared it with the world." You mean Bezos? All hell, Bezos. Ah, hell, Bezos. Bezos. Y'all know Bezos is going to be a plural by then. Like, it's going to oh be God, the nation it's be of Bezos. It's going to be the Bezos dynasty. Bezos. Yeah. Like, oh, crap, Grandma, we now own the government three Bezos for what Grandpa said. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, awful. But they're going to get their fine from a freaking drone through Amazon Fine Prime. <laughs> Amazon Fine. Dude, grandchildren just touch the third seashell. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Okay. It's the best seashell. The gourmet restaurant, you have failed this city. (laughs) So everyone knows it's the best. So as you can very clearly tell, we're gonna be talking musical theater this episode. (laughs) I was just about to say, I feel like this is the perfect time to segue into I hope there's still musicals in the future. Like that's the kind of futuristic hellscape I don't want to live in. The one where they're like, no more musicals. Musicals are done. The dystopian story about no more music. It's just like that one dystopian film. Equilibrium? Oh. About the what? The dancing where they can't dance. Mm -hmm. Equilibrium? Mm -hmm. Yes, equilibrium. That's the one they can't dance in equilibrium. They can't (laughs) dance in equilibrium. They're not allowed to express any kind of like music or art. And if you do get caught with it, then they like basically lobotomize you. Is that the one? Christian Bale? Christian Bale is like, yeah, I saw that one. And yeah, that movie's dope. Gunkata I mean, is yeah, also gun-kata. a feature of that. It sounds like 1984 to me. Is it all kind of the same wash bag? Might as well be. <laughs> the wash bag. I Here at Laugh It Up Capes and Caverns, you can <laughs> dance if you want to. You can leave your friends behind, but if your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're not a friend of mine. Mm. So, uh, safety, safety is key when you're dancing. Yes, absolutely, it is. Everybody be. pulls well, your pad. Inclusivity. Yes. Is but important. yeah, uh, this is the point where I say Cameron is right. I actually had placed a bet who was going to get us on the rails uh, with myself. <laughs> it, uh, I thought world famous podcaster Stephen Thomas was going to do it, but it was Cameron, the new Mysterious guy, stranger. Always, Leave it to the new guy to, to yeah. make us do what we said we were going to do. Well, uh, that's but his fair. goal is Mysterious I, Stranger to always keep us on, on, on the trail. 
The Indeed. best part about me saying we're doing musical theater is here is where I slow my trusty steed and I take the worn leather reins of my my stallion and, <laughs> and pass them to Stephen as he mounts my horse and I slide back yeah, into him. him and nestle into his dulcet tones. This is so um, hot. He guides me through a conversation of musical <clears throat> theater. Oh, I'm cuddling into that neck. It's a little scruffy because he just oh. shaved, but it's okay because he smells like cardamom. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, that's way better Ooh. than teeth spirit. Wow. Yes. I've been uh, picking a lot of flowers on the trail. What can I say? At <laughs> 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 any rate, hi, friends. Um, So hi. the whole reason we're talking about musicals today is because I convinced uh, our good friend, the Wookiee, uh, that – we needed to pay tribute on some level to Stephen Sondheim. Uh, he passed recently, if you haven't heard the news, and by recently I mean four months ago now. Something <laughs> like that. Time is yes. major. Uh, so we're going to be talking about our favorite musicals. Specifically, we're going to talk about our favorite Sondheim um, in honor of the man. And also we are going to talk about our favorite musical overall and... There's another topic we're going to get to after all of that. There's a lot we could talk about with musicals, but those are the big key ones. And we might convince Joe to let us come back later to record more. Who knows? But more. for now. More. More. <laughs> more. More. Uh, well, let's so get this started less. first, and then we'll see. With some fun. Sondheim. Now, not everybody is familiar with Stephen Sondheim, especially if you're not into musicals just generally. If you are into musicals, though, you know Sondheim as the person who doesn't want you to breathe. Mm. Yeah. By that I mean, of course, that he writes songs that are ridiculous. But I mean, he... if you're if you're singing "Cool Boy," you're breathing like a motherfucker. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it's it's like on a, on a, on a spectrum of "Cool Boy" to "Into the Woods." Like, what is the range oh, of boy. how much you're not breathing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes he he lets he lets them breathe. Sometimes. Yes. When he, when he was new and not a complete master at his craft. <laughs> the real concern is when you get into that one character in company, then you're doomed and it's there's no hope for you. But actors both love and hate Sondheim sometimes at the same time for what they do to perform because he writes such amazing material. So we're going to start there with our favorite Sondheim. Uh, I think we've all brought musicals to the table specifically, but I did open that up just generally to whether it was a moment or a character or a song. We want to talk about those favorite Sondheim bits and parts. And let's start off. We're going to mix things up each round here, I guess. But we'll start this time with Autumn. If you Aww. would like to talk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when Steven was like, hey, we're going to talk about our favorite Sondheim musicals. I was like, ugh, why? I <laughs> don't have anything against Sondheim. I'm just not very familiar with his work, you know. But like in the way that like every person who's ever been in musical theater knows who Sondheim is, knows his musicals. Well, it's just a bunch of them I haven't seen. I, I saw Into the Woods once. Yeah. I've never seen Company. Um, there's others that I haven't seen, but I can't even pluck them out of my brain right now. Um, but I remember being like 
I don't know, 16 years old. And my mom was like, hey, we're going to go see this musical down at the Orange County uh, Performing Arts Center in, in Costa Mesa. And I was like, okay, cool. What's it called? And she's like, it's called Gypsy. You're going to love it. And I watched this musical and I absolutely fell in love with it. I thought it was such a neat musical. And one of the things that I thought was very funny at the time while watching it was that the story is about Gypsy Rose Lee and the relationship that she had with her mother growing up as a child in theater. And I grew up as a child in theater with my mom, who was like, not a crazy stage mom like her mom is in the show, but like a little bit of a crazy stage mom. So I just remember sitting there in the theater with my mom watching this musical and my mom being like, gosh, isn't she like so nuts? And I'm just like, you don't see it. You're not that self-aware. That's fine. This is fine. <laughs> I mean, Autumn, I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned that. One thing I would like to, Stephen, and ask when you guys like first start off, at least give your bona fides about why I give a shit about your opinions about musicals. Like, <laughs> this no, is why I you mean, should give a shit about my opinion because no. I'm Autumn goddamn motherfucking Gaberski. That's why. <laughs> no, like your music, musical theater kid is completely valid. You know yeah, I mean? yeah like, no, I, mean, I grew, yeah, I did, I did, I started taking tap lessons when I was two years old. Um, I did my first musical or play when I was like five or six. Which um, was? Um, it was a compilation show of Beach Boy songs that we did in a local theater, and I made it into the newspaper. Nice. Wow. See, my mom the literally. Next day they might wrap fishes in it, but Autumn was a star for one whole minute. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's see. I went to the Orange County High School of the Arts, where I was in lots of plays. Um, actually, the best, most interesting play that I ever did is I played a syphilis-ridden whore in a Tennessee Williams one act called Hello from Bertha. I played Bertha. Wow. That was fantastic. Not a musical. Uh, you know, Tennessee Williams right. wasn't much of a, a lyricist, but that yeah. was fun. Well, um, like, he picked all the songs on banjo, but they just didn't buy into it. <laughs> right? They, just, <laughs> they, they haven't made the full banjo musical yet, and that's a disappointment. Um, I and agree. I say that with no sarcasm in my voice. You, I need you just to introduced the concept of a banjo orchestra in <laughs> a banjo, a banjo orchestra. <laughs> I mean, Steve Martin has it's to be working strings. on that somewhere, right? I'm sure it's written, but will we ever hear it? Who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, uh, a Muppet movie does have, like, banjo songs in its musical, so. That's true. The Muppet movie is actually fantastic. I just read, I watched it for the first time, like, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I watched it with my friend Rachel Deering, who is a huge Muppets fan. Hi, Rachel. We love you. Hi, Rachel. I love you. Um. And I was like, wow, this is really, really good. Lovely. I understand Great. why this song was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, a bear in his natural habitat, a Studebaker. <laughs> <laughs> Can you picture that? <laughs> I love that so, movie. Uh, Gypsy, your main connection with Gypsy is watching it as a, as a child and as an, an acting child with your mom who... You caught little memories of uh, of her acting somewhat that way. Uh, what can you talk to like the moment that most seemed? I I don't know if you remember the musical well enough, but was there a moment in particular that where you're just like, oh, 
mom's on stage. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I started listening to the music before we started recording because I was like, if I'm going to talk about this, I have to know at least a little bit of what I'm talking about. Um, and the first half of the, I mean, it's really, it's so funny because it, it's a story that's really about the mom, even though she's not really the main character, but she really is the main character. And I don't think, I honestly haven't seen it in such a long time. I mean, it's been over a decade since I've seen the musical, tragically, now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, but there's this scene very early in the show where it's it starts off with the mom and she has two daughters. And there's one daughter who's the star of the show and one daughter who is like the sidekick. And when I was growing up, my mom always like pitted me and my brothers against each other to see who was the best child <laughs> and I didn't really think a lot of it as I was a kid and like I grew up and I was like oh that was kind of fucked up um but I just remember like watching that scene and being like ah uh, yes I remember the one time that my brother barged into my or the one time my mother barged into my brother's room and it was like look Justin Autumn got the lead role in a musical what have you ever done? Or the time that she busted into my brother's room and was like, look, Justin, Autumn was 100% in her class. Look how much better she is than you. Or the one time that I wasn't allowed to go out someplace, so somehow we got into a discussion of that if my brother could fit into a pair of my pants, I would be allowed to go out that night. And then my brother put my pair, a pair of my pants on, and I still didn't get to go out. <laughs> Wait, you, you were trying to do a she's the man on your parents is that what i just understood? no i honestly to this day my brother and i still don't know how we got to the point in the conversation because my mom was mad at me for something and said you can't go out and then somehow we got to the point of the conversation where my brother said well if i can fit into a pair of autumn pants autumn gets to go out so then my brother went into my room and he pulled out like a pair of my jeans and he put them on and i remember thinking wow he looks a lot better in those than i do and then wow. i still didn't get to go out and i just remember thinking to myself like why does my mom keep pitting us against each other in this way? So I remember watching that musical and being like, yeah, this is exactly the kind of life that any mom has with their child, you know, of course. And then later, you know, I, I watched the musical and I was like, oh, 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 the main character is like nutso and we're not supposed to feel sympathetic for her, but like a little bit sympathetic for her. Man, I really want to watch this musical again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole idea. That was just trying to infect us all point. with that thought. Yeah. Uh, all right. Is anyone? I am honestly not that familiar with Gypsy. Uh, I have not okay. touched it. So, it, is anyone else on our panel here today familiar with Gypsy at all and, and can talk Never on their experience it. with it? I mean, tangentially, I've... I'll rant on something with it. Um, we are using the name of the musical, but I do think it's really important to mm. acknowledge the Romani people do not prefer that particular word in association with their culture. It is a slur. So for the sake of Sondheim, that is the reference of the name. But the Romani are amazing and brilliant, and you should research them. They're super cool outside of musicals. Yes. Yeah, and the, I've seen, I think at some point in my life, I've seen the movie with Babs, you know, where she plays Rose. Uh, and I'm like, Gypsy, yeah, Bette Midler movie. Like, I'm familiar, but <laughs> it was that was the 80s. You know, so much cocaine when I was nine. So. <laughs> Understandable. That's, a, that's an interesting statement out of context, Joe. Has <laughs> <laughs> somebody soundbite that immediately? Yeah. yeah. That's going to be my new oh, ringtone. Oh, God. If everybody soundbited the shit I say on this podcast. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. A lot of things. 
exactly. You could just listen to the the latest episode with with uh, Danny, and I went on some like whiskey sour rants, and Danny was just loving it. So <laughs> there was a point where I was talking about demons like asphalting acid on Ezra Miller. It was lovely. So I can't wait yeah. to listen. <laughs> Yay! It's gonna be all right. Wonderful. So uh, that covers the musical that. Cameron brings up a good point. I don't want to say the name of again. <laughs> Just because. Uh, it's the title of the musical, so you're, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah. The differentiation of the noun is important, but yes. That's fair. I, uh, I, mean, I, but, I remember in theater class, people call it the book musical. Uh, so there are other names that people go by. Interesting. Oh. It's funny. I considered not bringing it up as a musical because of the title. Um, but it was the one musical of Sondheim's and technically he didn't actually write the whole musical. He only wrote the lyrics for it. Um, But it was the one musical that I had a personal connection to. And, you know, it's, it's a story about a real person who chose that name as a white person at a time when, you know, respect for the Romani people wasn't something that, you know, the general public cared about. Um, So I think it's, Interesting, yeah. historically speaking, and I'm glad that yeah, and, you brought something up, Cameron. And totally, uh, totally appropriate for you to bring up the musical as well. It is a pillar of musical history, so I don't think that's wrong at all. I think it's just important to acknowledge the good peoples that 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 name has been associated with. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, as a Disneyland cast member, I have certain feelings when that word is brought up, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and an I was listening along and noticed that no swears have come out of my mouth yet. So that's the biggest thing is just I'm a very cautious person. That's all. <laughs> He's cautious. Yeah. I, He's I world would... famous, okay? He has to be careful with what he says. Apparently, yes. Uh, but uh, let us move on then to our next Sondheim show. And we're going to go with Cameron for this one. Ooh, okay. If I remember the impetus, we should state our accolades first. Mm. Um Hi. Not accolades. Wow. You have no, accolades. No, no, yeah, no. We're going to do a resume. Yeah. You got, you got 20 minutes. Let's get going. I did just um, watch one of his shows this weekend. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I've been doing theater or associated artistic forms for uh, decades, more than I care to admit necessarily. But, uh, yeah, I've been involved in theater for a very long time. I've been in several productions. I did Les Mis. Um, I've been lucky enough to perform on stage at Disney, um, actually with Stephen, no less. <laughs> um, and I've also had the opportunity to write things, uh, as Stephen so graciously pointed out. I just had to play uh, close. I won a contest called the Northwest 10 uh, for 10-minute productions, uh, which just wrapped on production. It was super cool. Um, so there, I know a thing or three. Except not about musicals, except a little bit about musicals. So we're going to talk musicals. I like in watching musicals. I don't write musicals. How many times can I say musicals before it doesn't sound like a word anymore? Uh, I and, just want you to know we should point out that the term. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm being an asshole. I'm sorry. No, that's good. Um, so I See, have written. I, we now yeah. refer to musicals as spicy theater. Spicy theater. Thank you. Yes. Very good. Why is it spicy? <laughs> That'd be the intonation. Um, yeah, so I have written down my Sondheim selection, and Autocorrect has changed it to Sweet Todd. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to talk about musical. Sweet Todd. <laughs> oh, that Sweet Todd. 
Oh, sweet Todd. No, we're talking Sweeney Todd. Uh, it is my favorite song time. Uh, it's occasionally maligned, I think partially because people didn't necessarily like the film adaptation. Uh, but I'm a defender of the film adaptation as well. I think it is a brilliant musical. Um, I think it's visceral in a way that a lot of theater isn't. Of course, there's a lot of blood if you're familiar with the musical and in the, the movie production, it gets everywhere. Um, in the stage production, they use a lot of um, like ribbons or even splash zones in the first couple of rows for the theater <laughs> for how graphic it is. Um, and I, I think the reason I love it uh, or I love it more out of Sondheim's work is because it pushes the boundary of what could be perceived on stage in theater. I think horror is very often done poorly on stage. Um, I actually just saw a production along with those plays, um, the play I won the competition for. There was another play that was set on a submarine and it was a a, a claustrophobic horror play on stage that I thought was done brilliantly. And it but it's so hard to do that, you know, to, to convey that that sense of of in your face realness. Um, and I think Sweeney Ton captures that not just because they're using all of those props and bloods and such, uh, but also just the, the language used in the actual music is uh, aggressive. And there, there's an element of rawness and a lot of the lyrics coming from the titular character. Um, but probably more important than all of that uh, is the fun fact about the musical that I love blowing people's minds with, uh, which is the woman who bakes the pies in the lower part of the shop, which is played by Helena Bottom Carter in the film, uh, is actually mo most famously played on stage by Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you want to picture Mrs. Potts baking people into pies, mm. uh, that is that is your main takeaway. I, the, the power Mrs. of Mrs. Potts and not Jessica Fletcher? How <laughs> dare. <laughs> How dare. I mean, we, we all know that Murder, She Wrote was all about like her being a serial killer and investigating oh, yeah. murders. So. <laughs> yeah, it was all just a red herring. That's right. Yes. Like 100%. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Mm. But yes, there, there was my rant for Sweeney Todd. The end. Uh, and I've go. always wanted to see that stage production. I've never seen it play anywhere remotely close to me. I think it's not a very popular musical to do. And that's a tragedy because I actually really quite like the movie and I would love to see a live production of it. Yeah, I mean, on brand for me, I learned about Sweeney Todd from Kevin Smith in the movie Jersey Girl, which <laughs> does not get enough credit. Yeah. Uh, so 100%. I was like, what is this? And looked and I was like, oh, yeah, that Sondheim guy like did it. OK, the West Side Story, dude. Cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it's great. And I like the movie too, Cameron. I don't think you're wrong there. I enjoy it. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah. very much about that. And I'm, I'm not sure if Hamilton is going to come up later in this conversation. But, you know, people have these I, almost contrarian reactions to theater being played in either movies or in, in popular culture um, mm. because they want to be part of the niche group that doesn't, you know, that isn't is a little more insular from public as large. But I'm a big proponent that anything that gets people into the theater to get to enjoy it or to get introduced to it, uh, whether it is seeing Johnny Depp try to Jack Sparrow all over that film, or it's seeing <laughs> Hamilton put on Disney Plus, you know, all of that's good. Whatever gets people into the theater and talking about it. So, yeah, big, big fan for that reason. I mean, yeah. he's actually doing his character from From Hell more than he's doing uh, Jack Sparrow. But Very good okay. point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. yeah 100%. I from Hell. <laughs> like. That From Hell movie is just about Sweeney Todd looking for Jack the Ripper. 
I have this weird connection to uh, Sweeney Todd in the fact that while I was in college, there was a director, a student director who first did Assassins one year and I auditioned and failed to get into Assassins. And then I saw he was doing Sweeney Todd uh, a year later and I refused to audition because I didn't like the guy by that point because it turned out he was a toxic human. So, but like, it's a weird association where I'm just like, I don't like Sweeney Todd. No, I've never seen Sweeney Todd. What do you mean you don't like Sweeney Todd? Oh, right. It's because of that one director you don't like. <laughs> oh, God, please tell me you're going to be talking about Assassins, the musical that I hope to see someday. I, you know, I, I also have that weird toxic relationship with Assassins, but I have heard the music of Assassins at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, just learned that, about Assassins. I've never yeah. heard of it until like a you know month, month, two, three months ago, whatever. It sounds really interesting. I think I learned about it when Neil Patrick Harris played John Wilkes Booth or something um, like that, and I was like, wait, mm-hmm. what? Uh, so yeah, yes, good old yes. NPH, bring it, keeping the musicals fresh. I had uh, never yes. heard of it at all. Oh no, yeah, it's it's the 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 today greatest Assassins of history, like all in a musical. It's Pretty weird. Well, that and, sounds pretty cool. And it's not surprising you haven't heard of it, Daniel. No, no one really sees it coming. Like, it's... Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. All right. Yeah. But... Yeah. Anybody Blue. can kill a president, but to kill a king. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Content I, is for kings. Uh, so I'm, I'm not forgiven for that. <laughs> uh let, let us move on to you and your Sondheim pick. I know you mentioned uh, in our pre-chat that you've got some crossover that you're going to talk about, and that's fine. Um, yeah. Or maybe I'm going to talk about your crossover. Who knows? Uh, but Blue, go ahead. Take it away. No, actually, Cameron just did. Um, I really like Into the Woods. Uh, Into the Woods was really cool, but um, after thinking about it for a little while, I got to give it to Sweeney Todd. I, I thought that the um, the stage productions that I've seen, like, you know, people's videos and stuff from... And then on top of that, the actual movie, where where and I, like Cameron said, you know, a lot of people kind of poo-pooed on it and stuff. I thought it was great. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I like the music. I like the that Tim Burton flair uh, to the movie. I thought it was great. But um, the fact that for a stage production that they go so all out, so um, what's the word? They're just they really put it all out there, and I think that's cool, and I think it's great, <laughs> because I used to be a really big fan of Phantom of the Opera, and I was like, oh, man, this is so cool, and then I grew up, and I was like, ah, oh, the Phantom's actually kind of really creepy. Maybe, maybe no, and now <laughs> I look at Sweeney Todd, and I'm like, you know what? That's a little better. Sweeney Todd is a little bit better than the Phantom, and that's, that's okay by me. <laughs> okay <laughs> I went from one weirdo to another And I like that And that's what we like about you, Blue Yeah yeah. And all the Laughing Up Fuzzballs listeners are like Blue's weird? What? What? <laughs> no Yo. That's, that's not you that motherfucker. That's me Now if I'm... they had Shrek on, on Ice Not just the musical I would watch that Oh, I'd watch because... the hell out of that. Are you kidding? Sounds amazing. Yeah. Does that not already exist? I thought that did exist. Well, there is Shrek the Musical. Shrek yeah, the Musical I mean, is fantastic. Yeah. I feel like I've seen Shrek on Ice it. somewhere, though. Not like seen it, seen it, just advertised. 
That's crazy. You know, I think there was like one of those tour- sim- similar to how Disney on Ice does it. I think there was like a DreamWorks version of that at some point. Mm. Maybe that's a fever dream I'm having, but I swear <laughs> that's the thing. Cameron, how did you and I have a shared fever dream? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, but that was that was a, DreamWorks a good week. on Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Uh any rate, so uh, Blue, anything else you have to say about uh, the Sweeney or the Todd? Oh, no, absolutely not. Cameron did an excellent job. Okay. Uh, in that case, I think... I mean, oh, hey, Blue, the other thing is, what are your bona fides on, uh, in, in, when it comes to the theater? Oh, yeah, I didn't even say anything. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, I used to sing uh, professionally on stage um, throughout, like, Southern California from... Let's see, where was it? It was Redlands, Yucaipa, Riverside, Corona, um, Norco, Chino, and there's another city I'm 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 missing. I already mentioned Redlands, right? Yes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I used to sing professionally throughout that entire area, and then I would go to karaoke. They found me first at at karaoke bars because I would be singing at at a bunch of them, and then. Um, I started getting paid for it, which was really freaking nice. What? So, That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people. I have a lot of it. people. Yeah. So I used to do that, and it was really fun. I used to be on stage, and I really like music, and I suck at it, but I like it. So, and the and the reason for that is because when I had to go to school, you know, I, we didn't have a, a lot of money, so I had to choose something, and I chose to go for my animation degree. But we still had to learn other things, and my other thing that I was trying to learn was music. So that was that's where I was. And um, as an animator, um, you know, we do a lot of directing. So I was a director for oh, freaking like ten years, thirteen years, thirteen years. Uh, I did directing of of animations and um, setting scenes and the whole nine. That's like that's like my go to, my forte, you know. So wow. I I think that. That gives me a little bit of, you know, a little bit of say, a little bit of leeway to to be able to chime in on something and say, hey, I don't like that scene. That's a that's a bad scene. And I really respect Sondheim for um, putting Sweeney Todd together and, and going all out, just being ballsy. It's like, would I have the guts to put something out like that? No, no, I would not. <laughs> Maybe now, because now now I don't I don't I really don't give a fuck anymore. But but like before. I definitely would not have. I was very much into the, a little more comedy, um, a little more comedy musical stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I respect it. So there you go. That's where I come from. Cool. Awesome. And what I just learned from all of that was I need to do so much better whenever I go out for karaoke because I have <laughs> not been trying hard enough. To get a job. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've never been stopped. I've been like, wow, I love what you do. Can I pay you for that? So. Really, really funny side note on that, right? There is this one time that I was, um, where was I? I want to say I was in Riverside, and uh, I had I hadn't been to this one place. I think the the place was called Shooters, right? It's like a a bar and grill, and they would have um, like like the karaoke on like Wednesday nights or, or some bullshit like that. But I would go there and I would sing, and there was this lady there named Brandy. And Brandy was like invited on the shows. Oh, she was very okay. I was gonna do that joke, Autumn, and I was trying to (laughs) unmute myself 
<laughs> Sorry, Cameron, you gotta be faster. <laughs> you gotta be quick to the button. You gotta be quick I feel like to Cameron the and I have this long-standing rivalry of who can get the exact same joke out faster. <laughs> and it's never oh, yeah. a good joke. It's that it's no. an obvious joke. It's no. the one that is just no, no, there. No. <laughs> Listen, you can both belong to the sea. It is okay. <laughs> there you go. My life, so, my love, my lady. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I go there, and this guy approaches me and goes, hey, like, are you blue? And I'm like, e- yes. And he's like, dude, I used to come here all the time and listen to you sing. Can you sing Build Me Up Buttercup for me one time? I'm like, well, oh, I, don't have, good song. I don't have the crew with me. but And he was like, oh, we'll be the crew, man. We'll be in the background. I'm like, you want to do it? He's like, I'll buy your drinks all night, bro. Just sing for my fiance. And I was like, okay. So I did. And that dude literally bought me drinks the rest of the night. It was great. It was a really good night. And I was really depressed that night, too. And I was there by myself. (laughs) So it was a really good night. Turned out really good. I'm glad he turned your night around. That sounds good. All right. uh, We're going to save the Wookiee for last in this category. So I'm going to throw uh-huh. in mine right now and we're going to go into the woods. Yes. It's been brought up a couple of times without delay. Bonafides first. <laughs> I want to know who you are and why you're cool. And oh, well, okay. Before. Sorry. Bonafides first. Hi everyone. I'm Steven. Uh, I got my start at the young age of six when I was part oh, of the squirrel boy. chorus in wow. uh, chicken little. Ooh. That I don't remember. Others, other than remembering, I hated every moment of it. I don't really remember that moment. But since then, I have uh, been in various plays such as Twelfth Night and Merry Wives of Windsor, uh, as well as a couple of different musicals. But mainly, my bona fides come down to the fact that I spent 15 years on the road working for a traveling children's theater putting on hour-long musicals uh, with children. Uh, so I, I, whether or not you consider it a good music, I've been working in the musicals industry for 15 years now. Uh, and, you know, it, and in that time, we also, because it was on the road, we listened to a lot of different music, and I've listened to a lot of different musicals, depending on my coworkers. Uh, and that's actually how I got introduced to Into the Woods. I knew the title when I was in high school, but it was one of my tour partners that was like, you are going to love this and company. And then after she sat me down and had me watch it, she said, you would play the baker. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I like everything except for the baker, but okay, I'd play the baker. <laughs> got it. And then for company, she was like, you remind me of a Roger. And I was like, oh, 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 well, oh, no. Oh, sorry, Bobby, Robert. And I was like, well, oh, okay. She also did the same thing with uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. She was like, you would be a perfect Charlie Brown. I'm like, oh, wow, what you think of me? The, these these characters, <laughs> so lovely. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's just a list of characters. I was like, they're all the depressed characters. What are you doing? Yeah, I feel like that is, like, if someone was like, hey, can you describe Steven in one word? I wouldn't have been like, mm, Charlie, mm, <laughs> depressed. Yeah. I mean, Maybe. if we're being honest with Into the Woods, like, who else are you going to play one of the awful princes? Like, Well, and that's... And you're not so, young enough for Jack, so... No, you know, yeah, no, no, no. Like, Jack, 
seems like the most fun, but you're right. I am not young enough by far. Even when I learned about this musical and actually heard the music, I still was not young enough at the time to play Jack. I did enjoy that. And I'm not handsome enough to get away with playing the prince. But whoa, whoa, don't whoa. do that to yourself. Yeah, do hey, that. stage makeup can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, it fills oh, me with confidence. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's more, you are totally right, because I've thought about this. It's like, okay, if I put on old age makeup, I could probably be the dad slash the narrator, or I'm probably the baker. But that's pretty much it for me. And that is... I am okay with that because both of those I enjoy. And that's part of why I enjoy Into the Woods is the narrator's part in the show, which is part of the reason why the movie makes me sad because he's no longer there. But I enjoy a musical or a play where fourth wall breaking is well written. And I think feel like they did that well with the narrator in Into the Woods. I feel like Sondheim didn't go out of his way to ruin the show with fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Uh, and so I really enjoy the narrator's part in that, plus the crossover part of the mysterious man that he keeps popping into randomly, who is also mysteriously missing from the movie. Uh, That's but, how mysterious that man is. Yeah. So... Dear. He's so mysterious, he's gone entirely. What? Uh, but no, I, I love the music of it. I love the messages of it. Even if they're not perfect messages, I might get somebody saying, oh, those aren't good messages to say. But I do like the conclusion of the musical where this theme has been going on from the witch saying you need to listen children don't listen and then she realizes by the end of it the sort of villain has a character arc where she suddenly by by the end she says no you know what children listen you have to be careful what you say right yeah and and that i think as a traveling children's theater director slash educator that Mm -hmm. moment beyond anything else really hit home uh on the road for me where i was like Oh, yeah. No, they hear everything. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They sure do. I'm like thinking back to the first half hour of this podcast. Like, careful the things you say. Children will listen. Stop listening, grandchildren. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, yeah. That, that that's part of why I dig into the woods. And but I'm, I also love just the bombacity of agony. Bob Oh, it's so good. It, it, it's, it's so bad and so good at the same time. It's just amazing. I was a little bit sad that Disney didn't include the second verse of that, the second part of that in the movie, but I also understood why that was missing. I was like, you're Disney and you you want more audience. And I, yeah, you, you don't want that part of it. I get it. It's okay. It's okay. I you mean, made that choice. Yeah, it cuts like a knife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, back to our wives. But uh, (laughs) I remember the first time I saw Into the Woods, my brother, I was like, oh, I'm really excited. I'm going to see this fun movie, you know, this fun play, Into the Woods. And he's like, oh, it's the saddest thing you'll ever see. 
And I was like, nah, that's not true. And I'm watching this musical and I was like, wow, this musical is so fun. I love this first act. I can't wait to the second act. And then I sit down and then the second act starts and they're like, ah, and they lived happily ever after. But let's talk about the ever after part. And I started watching it. I was like, oh, God, it's getting so dark so quickly. What happened? (laughs) It was so good. I enjoyed it so much. You know, I don't I think that's one thing that's really fascinating about Sondheim is that he tends to bring up, you know, these bigger themes and these darker ideas into musical theater that hadn't been brought in before. You know, he really pushed the boundaries of of what the storytelling could be, even if sometimes the music is light and it's it's dissonant with the ideas that are being told in the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've come to our glorious host, Joe the Wookiee Riot. Um let's let's hear your bona fides real quick before you talk about uh the, the song. So uh First and foremost, as much as we want to honor like Sondheim, that does have a part to do with like this podcast existing. But this really boils down to Blue's wedding reception. Uh, Steven, <laughs> having listened to the podcast, you know, I, I don't know if he listens to every episode, but I know he listens to enough where he talks to me and I feel flattered. Um, but he was like, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about recording musicals a lot on different episodes. Like if you ever wanted to do it, I'd be willing to do it with you. And I was like, do it together hmm, on this horse. All right, here we go. But uh so yeah, I just threw it out there. And then the next thing I know, it's like, hey, I was oh, talking to Oh, by the way, your, your spurs are digging in a little bit. If you <laughs> Sorry, up on man. That. Ooh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we talked about that. And then the next thing, it's like, hey, I was talking to the Capes and Caverns crew. And of course, it's blue, like the Earl of Blueberry. My yeah. blue, my Benjamin Blueford blue. That's so cool. I was like, yeah, like we could do the whole thing. And then I was like, fuck this is gonna be great because i knowing the different personalities in so much as i know them i was like this is gonna be fun it's gonna be long but it's gonna be fun and uh, i've i've been wanting to do musicals and blue can vouch for this for going on over six years because what opening the little door of like my life that maybe the listeners don't realize is i am so connected to musical theater it's sort of ridiculous like so dance classes like six or seven years of ballet a couple years of jazz a couple years of tap like as a kid like my mom convinced me like you do ballet because Mikhail Baryshnikov is awesome and watch this movie and I was like <laughs> yeah man he's tough and then she took me to see him do the nutcracker and I was like fuck that guy's strong as shit I want to be Mikhail Baryshnikov even though I'm not Russian and even though Russians aren't <laughs> cool right now but you know so I was like all right and then like my mom, just, like, just to be fair, the Russian government is not good, cool right now. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with Russians. Russians aren't responsible. Yes, yes, it's the Russian yes. government that sucks. True. Yeah. We Correct. love you, Eva. If you listen, as gypsies and, and Russians, totally cool. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Uh, that's that's all to say that my mom, my dad took me to my very first musical, which was Broadway, Cats. Uh, my mom, very, very mad because she liked musical theater, made sure that I saw it again at Orange County at the Performing Arts Center, and then took me to musicals. And then at some point, I decided I was going to be on Broadway, and I was going to be a musical theater star. So Aww. my mom... 
found a, a young a musical youth artist repertoire theater, which still exists. Actually, like my friend's kids have been in the program. And uh, very first play, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And they're like, hey, if anybody wants to try out, they had their core group of kids that always were the leads. But I was like, I'll try out and sang with my little soprano at the time and got the role of Charlie Brown. Uh, didn't realize what an adult like play we were doing as children until I was much older. But that's okay. So got to be like the main man cousin, you know, on your good man, Charlie Brown, my entire, like my private school came to watch a performance and got to see me like, they're like that Joseph, like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's a little strange. Then I was Prince Chula Longhorn and the King, ha- King and I for my art, artful Dodger and Oliver. Um, and then I got kicked out for a, a closing night prank and I, I turned my back on musical theater for a moment. Wait, what was the prank? Uh, there was a real creeper that, like, in the end scene where the ensemble were doing things by the bridge, like, this gentleman comes out and two, like, young, like, girls and, like, scullery caps come. And he grabs them arm in arm and he walks off, right? He's looking for hookers. Uh, but he was being a real fucking creep. So they were like, Joseph, we should dress you up like a girl. <laughs> and then when he's a real creep, you can look at him and be like, yeah, I'm interested. And he'll really, he'll be a homophobe and like completely freaked out, even though no homophobe wasn't a word back then. Uh, so I did it. And then the director was right there in the backstage right as I walked off. And I got kicked out of my art for like two years. Wow. That's, that was enough to not do musical theater. But I did show choir because uh, I needed the credits because I was failing school when I was a junior. Uh, <laughs> yeah, leave and- it to... Uh, Various institutes to punish people for being mean to terrible people. Right? Like, well, I was like, oh, the creeper didn't get in trouble at all, of course, she, you know? She never asked, like, all the reasons, and it never, it just was, she said no pranks, and I pulled a prank. You know what I mean? Right. So, I get it. And she's still a director of this program. I saw they were having adult and child auditions for Shrek the Musical, <laughs> and I had half the mind to show up and my best big bright beautiful world and be like remember me when you kicked me out when I dressed like a girl look at me now I'm amazing right you <laughs> should I, I didn't I, the audition's already over you would have been so you would be such a good Shrek yeah that's a that's a dream role but so that's all to say show choir but at the, the entire time musical theater like my thing and like in show choir is where I discovered one of the musicals I'm going to talk about here on this but that's all to say like I have always loved singing, and I've also always loved the fact that I mean, people listen to podcasts know I sing, and, and he's like, good at it. But that that like you look at me and you're like, oh, it's this guy, you know what I mean? Like the funny guy, like big guy with the tattoos. But like I seriously take like acting and singing like much more serious than I pretend. And I always sing with my bad voice whenever I sing around people, and then every once in a while people catch me singing with my real voice. Blues heard my real voice at karaoke. That's like the only time my real voice comes out. But uh, yeah, like, I just love musicals. I've watched as many as I can, and I only lament that there's lots that I don't know about. Like other Sondheims, like Assassins, and the one that Stephen keeps bringing up that's not on my name because I'm I'm three shots of whiskey into this podcast. Um, Oh, what? Company? Company, there you go. So yeah, and then like Follies and all that. I'm like, oh, like Sondheim's so great. And I, I think it's good that we're paying tribute to him because like recently in tick tick boom sondheim is a character in that musical and like on netflix oh yeah fucking amazing version of tick tick boom like shut up was so heavily influenced by sondheim yeah yeah and uh like 
the the actor that played the character was just like mortified like how do i do this and you know before he passed he got to see like a movie that played paid real tribute to like at least his role in the life of like one uh you know luminary in the theater world uh and then he passed in november of last year and it's sad and i like the Stephen was like here i'll give you a real good reason bro i don't need a good reason just say fucking musicals that's <laughs> <laughs> fair yeah i also, like, I, I feel like, I mean? just real quick, I'd be remiss if I don't mention because we are Capes and Caverns, which is a D&D superhero podcast, uh, live stream, not podcast. Uh, the, uh, what is it called? The Unsleeping City also features uh, Stephen Sondheim in one of two of the episodes. So Nice, nice. I mean, literally, like, there are podcasts in the sky. <laughs> there are big, bright, beautiful <laughs> podcasts in the sky. <laughs> That was how I wanted to start the whole episode, but then I handed the reins lovingly to Steven as as I snuggled in. But uh, yeah, that's all to say I love musicals, and I'm not a star. At at one point, I I had hoped, like, you know what I mean, to keep going with it, but life happens to you. You have babies, you join the military, you do your thing. But uh, in my heart, I am a musical mother trucker, 100%. And that's to say, uh, my choice for Stephen Sondheim, duh, nobody's mentioned West Side Story, so you know somebody was going to. Like, somebody had shit. to. Yeah. Somebody had to. For you, that's all. Like, I was really hoping you were just going to go way off the board and say uh, uh, Sundays in the Park with George. <laughs> <laughs> I was that up yeah. surprise. I was like, that sounds really interesting. I, I mean, I do have a surprise. I put in a placeholder where I actually had like what I wanted to mention, but we'll get to that uh, somewhere down the line. But yeah, West Side. So when I was doing the kid theater, I distinctly remember. So I was riding my bike with like the neighbor girl that I was babysitting and I caught some sand and like laid my bike down a bicycle i'm not cool no motorcycle no akira <laughs> moto zoom zooms but oh. i broke my wrist and i because i'd broken a bone before i was like yeah i broke my wrist so i went home and told my mom who is mother of the year let me tell you autumn we could have recorded a whole podcast but uh Let's i was like do it. i think i broke my wrist and she's my poor mother. I put her through a year where she thought I was going to die like every week. So she just got in the point where she was like, suck it up, buttercup, you know, and uh, why don't you suck it up? Suck it up, buttercup, baby. Stop but going. I was like, that oh, famous okay, song. my wrist really hurts. And my mom's like, I told Meyer I was going to go help with this thing. We're going to go watch them like do like a dress rehearsal for West Side Story. Never seen West Side Story, never knew who Sondheim was, and sat there with an aching wrist and somehow through the pain was mesmerized by like these older than me, like teenagers and 20-somethings, like doing, you know, this modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet and was just like, oh my God. And literally sitting there like, I will be Tony someday. Someday I will be Tony. Like my, my senior, like, you know, final was definitely singing uh, Who Knows, like, in front of everybody, and then being like, oh, my God, yeah, you actually did that semi-okay. And was I just, I don't, there's something about it. And even, like, the Steven Spielberg modern version, I'm so happy that there's two versions that exist because I love them both for different reasons. (laughs) Like, it's just, when when Westside anything happens, I just, sorry, life, we got to just check out, and I have to enjoy this because it, 
brings me everything. And like, you know, I really broke my wrist. It was bad. My mom felt bad when she finally took me to the ER. Like I broke it pretty good. They thought about oh, no. like, like I sat through like three hours of dress rehearsal for West Side Story and it was a good experience. But in the end, I really like I wore a cast for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, to me, I'm like, if know whether music- or not you were faking it, you know, like if you sit through all of West Side Story and you're like, ow, mom, my wrist still hurts. Like, yeah, you're probably in pain. That's, that is the standard medical metric. Yeah, I believe that's what they do at the ER when they put you in the waiting room to check to see how injured you are. That's why West Side Story is always playing on the television. On a scale of one to Tony's ballot, how much are you willing to sit through for the sake of this industry? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I just I love West Side Story, like everything about it. There was a moment because of the first movie uh, where Cool Boy, I was like, it's so much better in the musical because the, my first experience was actually seeing a you know stage production of it. Uh, and then there was an interesting twist in Spielberg where I was like, OK, I sort of dig that. That's that's an interesting way to take that song. It was like my one like eh, I, I could fast forward. Yeah, three minutes. But uh, everything else just just thrills me and excites me and like to me like Sondheim like I remember when we were messaging I was like I don't know any other Sondheim besides West Side Story and then I looked and I was like okay I know Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods like <laughs> yes definitely and I, I'm aware that uh Bette Midler did the Gypsy or the uh what are we gonna say uh the book musical movie Once Upon a Time but uh yeah like West Side's great if you don't think it's great I'm sorry who hurt you? <laughs> Who hurt you? That's right. I I think the east there, side. It is sounds like really there bad. already is an official yeah. way to refer to it, but like much like the Scottish play, could we refer to it as the Romani play, or is that not acceptable? Uh, well, I it's mean, not about Romani people. It's about a woman that's true. who took that name. How about Rose? Because that's the second there part of it. There we go. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And that's, well, yeah. Well, that's and that's the the mom's name is Rose. Any okay. character by any other name would smell as sweet. Am I right? Yeah, so does that true. mean that we could call her Gypsy because that still sounds as sweet? Yeah, no, never mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah. Fuck the... you, Bill, for messing that up. Wow, way to go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and also like, you know, Shakespearean tragedy uh, set to music. Way to go, Stephen Sondheim. Like, yeah, very, very enjoyable. What do you guys think of West Side? Like, you know what I mean? As as the last one to talk about for old, yeah. old Stevie Sondheim. Well, well I, I mean, I West Side is best side, so that's part you, of it. You hit it on the head with the with the joy of having multiple productions of it very accessible. Um, I do think this the modern Spielberg adaptation is very interesting. And the, the choices that were differentiated both from the, the original movie and from the stage production are... Are, are some of them are pretty drastic changes in their choices, but at the same time, it, it comes back to the 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 note of accessibility. The mo- the modern one is a more approachable narrative to the audiences that are watching it. And the changes that were made are more parsable. I think it makes the story more understandable. And you have to remember, there's only what like seven stories that have ever been told in history, if you boil it down to it. And obviously, this West Side Story's Romeo and Juliet is uh, Tristan and Leopold, or it, it goes back like this. This this lover story has been told forever. And the the adaptation of it is just another opportunity for people to experience and fall in love with the lover story. Um, and then hopefully go back and appreciate some of the other versions of it because I have my preferences for the older versions as well. But yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head that the the, the newer version, the, the, having the multiple options for it is awesome. 
Yeah. It's I, I like it. They just did it recently in DMZ. There's a there's a Romeo and Juliet like quality to part of that story. Uh, so, yeah, like it continues. Seven yeah. stories, huh? Wow. Seven stories. I, yeah, there I, was there was some some analogy that there are like seven core stories in the history of humanity and you can put everything into one of seven categories. I'm not smart ooh. enough to talk about it at length, but it's yeah, it's there. It's the nice. sequel to Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, which is called The Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> and just has to do with theater. It's weird. Uh, oh, Kevin but, Bacon is, as as uh, Officer Krupke. Sign me up. <laughs> I I think my first exposure to West Side Story was I I could be wrong I have to look this up later but I think there was a song on a audio tape that my mom played on every cross country trip plus a lot of different car trips that was called Mary Kay on Broadway mm. which I oh, didn't wow. realize at the time was a makeup line I thought there was a woman named Mary Kay and so I spent the entire time listening to this album every time going, which one is the familiar voice that continues throughout these? Because I swear these are all different women that are singing. <laughs> wow, what a baller. My, my mama sold Mary Kay. I, I know that line. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've gotten through our Sondheim. Thank you so much, Sondheim, for being such an inspiration. We're going to move in now to the world of favorite musical overall. Not best musical overall, by any means, but our favorites. The ones that, like, live deep in our hearts, rent-free. And for this one, I think we want to start with Blue this time. Blue, would you uh, fill us in on your favorite musical? Hell yeah, I will. Uh, my favorite uh, musical, actually, as of right now, because it changes, like, every month. But as of right now, uh, my favorite musical that I have just been like re-singing songs and like mentally playing games like who would I be inside of this movie or inside of this musical and blah 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 uh has been the greatest showman yeah um, it is it is the music of it is so damn good and it is my favorite fake story about a real douchebag and it just <laughs> It brings me a lot of joy. I just really like this completely fake story about this wonderful guy based on a douchebag. It's just really, it's really cool. Um, I mean, the songs are pretty powerful. Um, golly, Zac Efron's uh, part in this was probably my favorite. And when he sings that song, Other Side, with uh, Hugh Jackman uh, in the film version... I was just like, mm, that's it. That's what I want to be. I don't even have to be Hugh Jackman's character. I don't have to be P.T. Barnum. I will be just another guy. I'll be the other guy. I'll be I'll be Philip. I think his name was uh, Carlisle. And Bailey. Uh, I'm assuming. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, no, uh, that that uh, bar scene is quite delightful. In isn't in it? The movie. Yeah, it's so great, and it's, uh, it's a great song. It's a great number too. Oh yeah, the other it. side, I, I believe, is the name of the song, and it's so so freaking good. I've been all over that lately. Just like uh, I believe with Caitlin, we were driving somewhere, and I was like, "Can you play me this song?" And she was like, "You're really into this song right now." I was like, "I'm really into this song right now." If you just <laughs> like, you well, know, so you touch you touched on a very good point. Can we put some respect on Zach's name? That man has been yeah. doing some work. Like he's, he's Zachary so much. Efron. Was I respectful enough? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Zachariah. No, the man has been putting in work. I mean, he started as a what a Disney starlet, right? Like, High School Musical. Yeah, that's right. Musical baby. Which, that's which my favorite pop, musical, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> let's not let's not gloss over the fact that that kicks some series, but dude, but that is does. a bopping musical. That's it's still on my that. iTunes that's to good. this day. Poor Dark Absolutely. John on the way to blues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he is. He's been killing it, and the range that that man has shown in his ability, considering he's done that, he's done comedies like what? What was the the one with the fraternity that was living next to like what Will Ferrell? I oh, think yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like he can do that kind of role and be just a, a complete himbo in that, uh, and then go and then do a musical like this and kill it. I just a moment of respect for my good friend Zach. My yeah, good is, friend Zach. He is awesome. He's so good. Um, I've been in love with Zach Efron since he was in High School Musical, and I was like 12 years old. And he never ceases to amaze me at every single role that he does. He fully commits to it, and he knocks it out of the park. Dude, I saw 17 again, and I was like, wow, this movie is going to be oh, terrible. That movie's and so I, good, Otto. That movie is very good, and the reason is because Zach Efron really makes it he really sells this you know what matthew perry 45 year old man who becomes a kid again to re-fall in love with his wife like he he nails it and then i gotta be honest yeah. with you blue i am not a huge fan of the greatest showman mm-hmm. i like the music i will say that i think the music is very very fun um i've listened to the soundtrack a bunch um, I think most of the songs sound almost exactly the same. They all, <laughs> they all okay. They all start with like one person singing, and then it crescendos into the group singing, and then it you know, and then it gets bigger, and then it gets bigger, and then one person sings again, and then it gets into this big, big crescendo that's really, really big. And I feel like they all follow the same pattern except for like two or three songs. Um, Autumn, have you never listened to a musical? Before? I have. <laughs> I, I will say my one hot take about the musical is the fact that I feel like every single song has one too many verses. Every song is a showstopper in that show. And it it's really like is. there's not and, and that's oh part God. of and there's something to be said about what I think the way that you phrase it, that it's a completely fake story about a real douchebag yes. is that he was a showstopper. So every song in the musical is like, you know, supposed to be bigger than life, you know, kind of like, you know, the story of himself that he was always trying to tell. And I can give it that, you know, benefit of the doubt, although I don't believe that's necessarily what they were going for. Um, But I think the music is fantastic, even if I don't think it's the best written music every song i'm like god this is so catchy i can't stop singing it god i love (laughs) listening to it god the music itself is so fantastic and i feel like all of the individual songs are so good i do love the song with zach efron and zendaya um it's it's gorgeous and there's absolutely a part in that scene where he like she's like spinning on the ropes and he jumps after her and i'm like oh you guys both would have broken something are you kidding me (laughs) but it doesn't matter because you're suspending reality and it's such a fun scene and it's so gorgeous and beautiful and i love that song um and i'm glad that you brought that that musical up because it's 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 a good one i have a lot of issues about the way they treat you know the people in the circus and like this like weird you know try it like you know weird pretty 
it, gloss it, it, that they're trying to give to the actual subjugation of these people, and it's like, yeah. I think it's just a musical. Calm, calm down, Autumn. But, but we're it, also it, it does do a thing that. of glossing over the 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 reality of what terrible wages these people were paid and such and oh, how that, that's not the only thing it glosses over steven don't get me wrong that he was a real douchebag but like they they do gloss it over especially with the song this is me um which is one of the best songs in the whole freaking movie um like hands down the <laughs> the i forget what her name was but she, she performs her ass off in that song. Oh yeah, and, that whole song. Yeah, and the the bearded kills. lady, who's who, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember the actress's name. But yeah, yeah, that whole song is this like testament to you know to self love and and mm-hmm. all of these things. And I understand how they would try to want or how they would want to give that song into the musical with the modern understanding of self-love and everything. But within mm-hmm. the context of the historical point of the movie, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, it's, I, and you know what? I think, I think one of the things that bothers me so much about the musical is that it's about a real person. If they were just like, Hey, this is a fake story about a fake guy who, you know, it's like, not really based off P.T. Barnum, but it's based off like the idea of someone like P.T. Barnum. If they were just like, yeah, this guy's name is like Joe Bryan and he was blah, 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 blah. And it was like this own, if it was his own self-contained story, I might like it better. But the fact they're like, haha, this is based off P.T. Barnum. I'm like, no, fuck you guys. He was such an asshole. Why would you give him this nice musical? How dare you disparage Hugh Jackman by making him act like that man? Hugh Jackman. It's really funny that you said that because that's exactly how I see the movie whenever I talk to Caitlin about it. It's like, hey, look at this very fictitious movie about this very fictitious person. This is a great fake story, and I like it. Like, this fake story is great. The actual guy sucks. But Autumn started talking, and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you waited for. Congratulations. uh, Got to talk about something that she didn't like, and it got very exciting. I am on record (laughs) saying after I watched The Greatest Showman that I thought it was the Moulin Rouge for that generation. Like, totally. 100%. That's a very good comparison, actually. As a a historian, when I look at musicals, they come across differently. And that includes, I don't know if the musical is going to get mentioned in this podcast, but uh, probably one of the most popular musicals in our current age. Mm. Um, So I'll just leave it at that. Like there are some really great history books that have been written about P.T. Barnum and the history of the circus. And uh, there's some really questionable, problematic, awful things. Uh, Just like Cameron bringing up, you know, the Romani and like a slur. Uh, when you really dive into the history of Barnum, it is not huge jacked men uh, bringing justice to the freaks. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I don't. I think they like they set it in a time and a place with a character and told a story that was antithetical to the real history. And you have to focus. Like if you're going to enjoy it, you have to focus on what they're telling you versus what really happened. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the music is catchy. The acting is great. Like the whole thing, you go off like feeling great, singing the shit out of it. Like we listen to the music in the car, me, my wife, my son, Tyler, like we love it. Like we all sing together and we're just having a moment. But uh, at some point, like the boys, I'll be like, all right, now let's sit down and talk about P.T. Barnum. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Joe, Joe, real quick, since you're you're right behind me on the horse here, so I just got to ask you real quick. Um, the the musical you're talking about, the the popular musical that has historical backing, you mean Cats, right? Absolutely. That's, that's what that's I thought. Okay, okay, just want to check. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, let let's uh, continue mixing things up. Let's have uh, Joe. Let's have you talk about uh, your favorite 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 musical now. I mean. It doesn't get any more favorite than ink driven into skin, correct? Yeah, like that when is you, the ultimate testament. If you brand yourself with a musical or a line from a musical, that might mean you like it. And, uh, I mean, I'm looking down at my wrist. It does say no day but today. Mm. And uh, as, mm. a, as a tender 16-year-old, or no, 17, like in show choir my senior year, uh, all of a sudden, Mr. Hoshi showed up and he's like, hey, we're going to do like a medley of this musical that's really big in New York right now called Rent. And all of us are like, what's that about? And he's like, well, it's hard to explain, but maybe <laughs> when you start singing it, you'll understand it better. It's and not we're like, hard to explain. It's about AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's an oversimplification. Oh, no, it way is. It so is. I'm just yeah. Kidding. It's about Everyone AIDS has AIDS. 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 So hard. It's so I love great. Some America World Police. But everybody's a great parody. You love the thing and you can still fall in love with the parody of it, right? Like that's yeah. that's how you know it's a good parody, you know, is when you're like, ah, yes, the person who made this loves rent. But but go for I mean, it, Joe. I, th- I want to hear everything about rent. It is, I will fully admit, one of my favorite musicals I as love well. Rent. Get at it. As as a musical theater guy, like, so we did this medley, and, like, I always had an interest in, like, having a lead or singing a role, but I had never encountered a musical where I wanted to be everybody. Like, mm. I wanted to be Green. I wanted to be Joanne. Like, I wish I could sing good enough to have the solos in 1,000, 25,000, minutes. You know what I mean? I'm drunk. But, uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> Like I I wanted I I wanted a one man stage show of of teenage Joe doing Rent. I'd pay uh, for that. God, pay for that. God, you better pay a lot because it's gonna be expensive <laughs> <laughs> to my morale, to my sensibilities, to my marriage. <laughs> like, but uh, no, just you know, like every from from Collins to Angel to mm. Roger to Mark, you know, like. Every character is just, it's such an encapsulation of that period. And I'm very well aware of like the, it is a modern retelling of La Boheme uh, set to music. Like I get that. We're going back to Cameron's whole like seven stories ever told. I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't think it was a completely original tale, but I didn't realize it was based off of another. It's based off an opera. Love so, it. And it's an oh, rock. Yeah, Which, by the way, if you ever want to see a trippy opera, La Boheme is, you, you can't do much better. It's good. Yeah, it's, is it syphilis or tuberculosis? I forget. Uh, uh, I think syphilis. Yeah. It's so like syphilis. Yeah, but uh, it just, like, and, like, okay, Greatest Showman, like, yes, like, you could hear, like, the running theme, but, like, so many different, and, like, to me, the ultimate musical love song of all time is all come <gasps> and it is too much. It's men the best. It. And I, I have s- sang that song 
to one or two women in my life. I've never sang it to my wife because I'm just like, ah, it feels cheap now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've spoken the words to her and she's just like, rent. I get it, babe. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's rent. Like, More it, than that. Yeah, it, it's everything. And so when we did the whole medley and then my Aunt Helen got me tickets to go see it in, in L.A. And Neil Patrick Harris played Roger. Wow, and, really? Wow. Even know that Neil Patrick Harris was A, gay, or B, in musicals. And I just was like, oh, my God, Doogie Howser can sing? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, just, yeah, just, like, blown away. And I've seen it I've seen it on stage at least, like, four or five times total. I, I've watched the movie. I've listened to the Broadway recording. Like, it's just one of those. It comes on. I know every single word. Uh, I know the themes. I know the way it makes me feel. I know like why this should be important to you, how it connects to like a historical moment in New York City in the 90s. Like I know about Jonathan Larson, tick, tick, boom. Like it just it encapsulates such like a teenage moment of my life that is like pressed on and only grown and gotten stronger as I've become a a more mature adult. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of great musicals, but Rent just like. Like, you know, like, here's a great musical, West Side Story. Yeah, Sondheim's great. Now here's Rent. <laughs> He's like, well, why'd you have to bring up Rent? Like, fuck you. Like, there's only one Rent. And you're probably right. Although some might argue that it's Hamilton now, you know. But it just, it is. And if you don't like it, ask yourself some serious questions about why you don't like it. You know what I mean? Unless the answer is you just don't like musicals. And that's okay. It's it's okay. Joe, the answer is I like capitalism. So no, sorry, that's <laughs> why <laughs> I mean capitalism has its moment in the musical too, and not necessarily in a bad way. Like there Benjamin has like some real like salient points like in his arguments, you know. He's not necessarily the bad guy, he's just a guy that you know, you could paint him that way, but I don't think Jonathan Larson did. It's just I, one of I, his friends that sold out to the establishment, you know. I hate Maureen's um uh what what is that called visual art performance <gasps> so much over that I just she becomes the like even though like everything else I do enjoy about her but like she becomes the villain in my mind for that yeah. I'm like that's not what this musical is trying to say but then to she seems to take so me for much. what I am and you forgive her you know? spooky <laughs> spooky <laughs> I gotta say so I. I've got a weird, it's probably a minor form of synesthesia when it comes to hearing really like very particular music and getting a visceral reaction within my own body. It it happens a lot with like some forms of the blues, um, Mm. a lot of, you know, holler music from Appalachia. uh, Like you just, where I I physically lose control of my limbs for a moment just because the music slaps in a very different way. Um, Slaps so hard. I remember the first time I heard Tom Collins hit that live in my house. And I was like, oh, Ooh. oh. Yeah. And then the the eternal sadness I felt when I realized I could never play that role on stage. <laughs> but that, yeah. that for I, very good reasons, I would never be able to touch it. Um, <laughs> no, Cameron, just, I had the same experience except for Angel. With like yeah. today for you, tomorrow for me, I was like, I love this role. I would. Nope, I can't, and I shouldn't think about See, playing it because I, Mark and Roger exist, feeling. and they're the main parts in him. I'm fine. I do not have anything to complain about. But Angel would be so fun. No, I am definitely a Roger, but I had aspirations for Angel. But I'm also the guy that probably like ten years ago told you that someday I was going to be Hedwig. So get it? Yeah, <laughs> I do love Hedwig and the Angry Ugh. Inch. 
very, very much. Uh, so, like, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I loved being the straight guy in the theater group. Let me tell you. It was a very great Yeah, place I bet it was great for you. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm such a loser. Like, I didn't really, like, reap the rewards. But I like I liked the attention. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, right. Oh, just so. And, like, getting to do, like, so I got to do the Tom Collins Santa Fe, like, solo, like, when we performed it on stage for, like, my school. I had a, a bit part in La Vie Boheme. But then we took the show on the road to Hawaii for my spring break. And the guy that did the whole La Vie Boheme didn't come because his parents couldn't afford the Hawaii vacation. And my mom was like, I don't, we're putting the house in Hawk. We're going us poor white trash. We're going to fucking Hawaii. Let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, And I got to do like that entire solo for La Vie Boheme and live my best Mark dream and, and go Hawaiian shopping malls and Hawaiian schools. And just really like this probably like peak, peak Wookiee riot, like musical, like performance and, yeah, it's it's so great. <laughs> like if it's if anything rent is anything going on, my wife's just like, oh shit, I lost him again. Like, <laughs> like even at, at karaoke, I've had like randomly two girls start singing "Take Me for What I Am," and I'm just riveted. Like, why do I love you so much? I know you're lesbians, but can we be friends? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna sing one song. I'm gonna sing one song now. Okay, it's gonna happen. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. I, rent is just the shit. Like, love it. Period. And that. And it's funny, I think one of the things I like about Rent is um, people have very strong opinions about it. Yeah, People either love Rent or hate Rent. I don't think I've ever met anyone who was indifferent about Rent if they've actually seen it. I've met people who were like, oh, I've never seen it, I don't really care. And that's right. fine. But like anyone who's seen the musical or even just seen the movie, everyone has like such a strong opinion about these characters, you know? And, you know... I saw Rent for the first time when I was a teenager. I used to listen to the music with my mom all the time growing up. She had the, you know, the two disc CDs um, and they would just play on loop in the car. And so I got really used to the music and I didn't, you know, understand what I was listening to at seven, you know. Um, And it was always really funny. My mom would always skip the one song, um, Contact, where it's like them like oh, having sex yeah. and stuff and she oh, would always yeah. skip sweat, that song sweat, sweat, hot, hot. <laughs> yeah. was it good for you it was good for me it's over <laughs> it's over it's over it's so sad um and she would always skip that song and i like never knew why um <laughs> and then i went to go see a performance um in long beach i think at the carpenter theater with my mom and it, it's just such a fantastic stage production um and i love the way that most of the play is sung. Very few parts of the play are actually spoken. It's a lot like Hamilton in that way that it's, you know, completely told through song. If you listen to just the music from the soundtrack, you basically get the entire story. Well, that uh, actually goes back to the roots of it being an opera because an opera. operas right. are entirely sung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is 100% a rock opera. It is. And it's so good. And I love it. And I think one of the things that uh, a lot of people, when they say that they hate the musical or that they don't like it, is they're like, oh, I don't like any of the characters, you know? And I think that the characters aren't written to be 100% likable or to be the best people or to be the heroes of the story as much as it's just supposed to be a slice of these people's lives. Exactly. You know, in a point in history. Yeah. I just love it. And, you know, I have, there's criticisms about it. You know, there's a lot of the, like, you know, rich white 
privilege in a lot of these characters and you know like the starving artist who chooses to be that way and you know there's there's criticisms to be had of the musical but I think that the characters not because that's the thing too is I think a lot of people are like oh the main characters of Mimi and Roger they're you know they're kind of lame and blah 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 and everything but I've never considered them to be the main characters of the musical so um, amidst their flaws I don't feel like they're the focal point of the entire story, you know? Colin's yeah, an eight the world's Mike. Is, is that official? Or are they technically the if main character? Everybody characters? is the main character. It is Mark as the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I don't think there is a main character. It's I don't think there is a main character. It's an ensemble cast. And I yeah. think that everybody gets their story told. And I think the reason most people think that Roger and Mimi are the main characters is really just because they have, like, the first and last songs of the musical. Mm. You know, Roger has one song, Glory. It's the first solo uh, song that we get. And then the end of the song. musical is, <laughs> you know, the spoilers, <laughs> you know, is with Mimi and Roger. Um, but yeah, they're like the lamest characters in the show. <laughs> but I, but agree I love with them, you. even though they uh, suck, you know? Huh? Yeah, I agree with you that uh, none of the characters are, are technically supposed to be like, quote unquote, a likable hero type mm-hmm. character. You're getting a literal slice of life, like, they're supposed to be people and that's how you're supposed to like kind of um, connect to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because right. it, it is supposed to be like, Hey, this could be a lot of you right now. Like, right. And, uh, and I it, think that's, and that was a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I mean, if we're really talking like, you know, yes, we talked about team America world police, but the entire AIDS of the entire musical, it, it was important because it, pushed that discussion into the zeitgeist like Mm -hmm. yes it had been around it had been an epidemic but i i don't know like in like you know backwoods kentucky uh i don't know why i singled them out but uh you know like yeah but like it was it was so big that everybody was talking about it It was finding its way into like choir programs it was finding its way in the theater programs and not just like you know uh second second stage third stage productions it was finding its way all over jonathan larson really touched a nerve but when when he touched that nerve it forced people to have that discussion and i have to say it it did some good you know what i mean because like they're just people that you liked and like rooted for and cared but most of them had aid and you know just something to talk about and i i think that uh even so much that like there's the myth that jonathan larson died of aids like go fuck yourself learn learn some goddamn stage history but (laughs) uh look it up i remember like when i first learned about it they're like yeah and the guy that wrote it died of aids and i was like did he though like (laughs) that's not what i heard but uh yeah uh it's so uh it's so freaking good and i shout out to like cameron like giving some props to the sweeney todd like you know film version i give chris columbus like so much credit for that movie that he created because how hard to take such a visceral stage like moment in your life and put it into a movie like i enjoy that movie because i like the musical so much and it brings back most of the broadway cast and gives me motherfucking rosario dawson uh, yeah. as, as Mimi, like, like for no other reason thank you take me out tonight <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. sorry steven i know our horse is lovely but <laughs> no no you're feeling what is but, uh, yeah, it's it's just so good and like it's tattooed on my body. God, got to love it. Why am I forgetting Maureen's girlfriend's name? Joanne. Jo- is it Joanne? Okay. Yeah. I had that in the back of my head and I was like, "No, that's wrong." I love Joanne. It, I don't She's remember the name character. of the actor who plays Joanne in that movie. 
but that was who I latched on. I was like, oh, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I want to see. Her. I love Rent so much that when Adam Pascal showed up in Rogers the Musical on Hawkeye, I was like, even though I don't really like this song, <laughs> God, it's fucking Roger. Like Roger. That, that, that was the exact reaction my wife and I had. We went, wait a minute, yeah. wait a goddamn and, minute. And he had like in the actual episode, he has so very little to do on the stage. Like you hear oh, yeah. nothing from him it's weird he's the guy like, he, he there he is it's roger why isn't he singing what's going on <laughs> even he's saying as a dragon on the episode of the backyard agains and the second he started singing i was like i love this with all my heart <laughs> so, yeah, very good yeah. all right yeah. uh i think we talked about all we can talk about with rent so let's move on i'm gonna say uh cameron yay i win all right yeah so I've been very fortunate in many different mediums to discuss many different things. I've talked a lot about Disney, uh, obviously, for some of my work associations and some of the other writing things I've been on. Um, I've talked a lot about musicals in different contexts and that kind of stuff. And anytime I have the opportunity or the microphone to share about a very particular thing, I take the opportunity to talk about Hunchback of Notre Dame because yeah, more do. people need to know that it's the best thing Disney has ever made. And good Lord, not a p- enough people acknowledge it. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame is a stage production as well. Uh, it actually never made it to the Great White Way, despite it being Disney funded, but it still has the Disney musical music in it. Therefore, I can talk about it in this venue. Hunchback of Notre Dame is the best thing ever. Let's discuss. It is It is uh, beautiful and tragic on stage. I got to see uh, it once. It is so tragic. Dies irae, dies ila, solvet seclum in favila, teste david cum sibila. Like, fuck, it's good. And the best part is that's Latin written for the film. It is. I sang it in show choir. (laughs) (laughs) We did a medley. (laughs) And it's it's still in my head. (laughs) It's the riskiest thing Disney has ever made. Uh, Literally with a song called God Help the Outcasts, sung by, um, interestingly enough for the context of this conversation, a member of the Romani people in this film, um, who sings about the 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 thing she wants from God, which is peace, while followed by a chorus of other people singing about all the stereotypical things people normally ask a deity for, in form of wealth or fame or praise for their name, if the rhyme is to be believed. Um, that is bold. They take a stance against the power structure of the church, so much so that Judge Claude Frollo, when originally written in the book Hunchback of Notre Dame, is a member of the church. He's not a an authority figure. He's literally like a member of the papacy, um, which they so they took a little bit of the edge off and made him a, a an authority figure in the film. But still, uh, my man sings about lusting after a member of the Romani people yep. in a fireplace. And mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. Disney movie. It's and yeah, it's, the, the whole hellfire. Uh, Fire song is a little, uh, a little, little much. Oh, it's for a powerful a song, man. <laughs> and it's only half a song. Again, this I'm, and I'm. We're not going to talk as long as we did about Rent because, good lord, I would take the rest of our time. But um, <laughs> a Hellfire is not one song. It's kind of like how We Are the Champions uh, is also part of We Will Rock You. They're technically the same song. Uh, Hellfire is the second half of Heaven's Light. So the song is literally Heaven's Light slash Hellfire. And it's a dichotomy of two expressions of love. And that is the level that this musical is playing on. That you have this beautiful, lilting, very high tenor part. Must be Heaven's Light. To to a baritone Hellfire. Oh, 
Ugh. Ugh, I'll just be over here crying into my own hands. Someone else, please talk about how good this is so it's not just me. Sure. Oh, I mean, I'm like, stage-wise, when I got to see it, uh, it was performed, the part of Hunchback, in in the uh, in the book, and I don't know how much it features, honestly, in the film, but on stage, because the Hunchback works amongst the bells, uh, he is supposed to be hard of hearing, uh, and the fact that most of the productions that I've heard about, and definitely the one that I saw, cast someone who is uh, either deaf or hard of hearing to play the part of uh, of the Hunchback uh, was Hashimoto. a beautiful thing where he was using sign language to communicate his part while somebody else sang for him so that we understood, us people who were too idiotic to learn a beautiful language, uh, th- th- we could understand what he was singing, uh, and so that 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 was a uh, just a, a wonderful thing of like casting people who would never normally be cast and not by faults of their own, and so it was a beautiful thing to watch for my part. Heck yeah! There's just so many things to to um, the music, uh, the flow of the of the entire show, the whole. The, the whole movie, the whole show, like the flow of it, how how you get so many different crescendos in emotion. Uh, I thought they really pushed it. It like in animation classes, it's probably one of the biggest go tos uh, for all of us to <laughs> like look to um, for inspiration on how to set scenes and how to convey emotion in a scene. Um, Gosh, I, I cannot tell you how many times we've had to redraw um, one Frollo's part when he's singing uh, the Hellfire song. And then the other one, uh, the other scene is when Frodo um, actually Frodo. sees... From the Shire? Uh, throws the ring Not, into I'm Mordor? Sorry. I can't Quasi remember Moto. the smell of Esmeralda. <laughs> Quasimodo. Um, <laughs> when Quasimodo sees Esmeralda um, kiss the captain. Like and his oh. heart, like you see his heart break, oh. and uh, that's that's another scene that we're like they kind of hammer into you. It's just it's so good, it's so yeah. well done. Yeah, the you know, my, design my, alone. I, I was just gonna say the fa- my favorite part of the movie is when Quasimodo puts Esmeralda down and takes one step and says, "Master Esmeralda, this is the furthest I've ever gone out of the Shire." <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, if, if we're talking scenes like at the, the Festival of Fools, when they're all like, you know, when it, when the entire purpose of the festival is revealed, you know, it's all all fun and games. So you realize like what the entire point is. Uh, but the fool is like somebody that doesn't deserve this like retribution from the mob. And Esmeralda like throws herself in front and like even like the Disney animators like revealing a shoulder. So you're still like you have that male gaze upon her, but you're just like, fuck. Like this one person that like has everything to lose for this looking after, you know, this misshapen like person and just oh, it fucking makes me cry. And it's, oh, yeah. highlighted one of the most important moments in the whole thing, because the response to Esmeralda standing up to everyone is for I believe it's Frollo that cries out silence and her immediate response is justice. Mm-hmm. Like that is the uh, opposition so of silence that she is responding with. Ugh. um. Well, since I've ranted enough about it, I'll tell you an embarrassing thing to finish out our Hunchback segment. Um, 
I, it's been my favorite forever. It's been my favorite since before I understood how important it was just because it also has just beautiful music and baby Cameron was into it. Um, but I had a far too old of age. I'm talking mid twenties. I remember I was driving somewhere. Oh, so old. Yeah. So old. I mean, much after hearing it, let's it's many, many years after hearing it for the first time, I was driving my car and had to pull over to the side of the road because years and years after hearing Hunchback for the first time, I finally realized that the intro from uh, the jester at the beginning where he says he's telling a tale of a man and a monster that the monster in question was Frollo and the man was Quasimodo. The, yeah. the fact that that just clicked for me far too late in life. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, that's brilliant. And I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so beautiful. And with the with the Latin like hymns and, and everything and the angry dog in the background, like Oh yeah, no, I remember that part. That was a good part. <laughs> oh, that scene. Oh, it was a beautiful scene. <laughs> but yeah, it's it just it's one and like if I'm gonna give a shout out, like I'm always like trying to prop up Jonathan Young and his metal covers of cool stuff like Witcher oh, and everything. His Hunchback and Notre Dame metal cover is really fun. I have not yes. heard this. Good lord, oh. I know what I'm doing after this. Oh, I'll I'll show it to you. He Thank is, you. <laughs> are you are you aware of Jonathan Young? He's incredible. I'll get I it to you. I am not. This is going to be a new excitement for me. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to finish this conversation with just a little note because I don't think anyone got into this, but the stage version, if you go into it, uh, having only been familiar with the Disney version, the, the movie version, just be aware that the ending is not going to be the same. Right. Yes. Good. <laughs> Very important. Important note. <laughs> it's going to be more like the movie is what you're saying in <laughs> the book? More like the book. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the the old movie with like the Boris Kala affair of monsters is pretty pretty disheartening and tragic. Yeah. So, yeah. Read yeah. read the book if you've ever got an extra thirty hours. It's, <laughs> it's pretty dark too. It it is touching. It is beautiful, but it is also tragic. The uh, ending of the stage version. I remember hearing like, oh, Disney's gonna do Hunchback of Notre Dame, and having read the book, be like, oh, who who de- who decided that? Like. <laughs> <laughs> in that office was like you guys i got the best idea for a musical the kids are gonna love it <laughs> but we got the festival of fools at disneyland anybody oh, that got geez. to enjoy that that was good sauce uh, <laughs> I, yeah. i've heard tale i did not get to enjoy it myself um but before we move on to autumn i just want to note um I'm, I'm in my running tally of book of understanding cameron uh, a love story would be <laughs> must watch hunchback of notre dame yep much wa- must watch Secret of Kells. Yep. Oh, that's such a good one. Um, oh, Secret of Kells. And the so story good. continues from there. Ugh. But uh, let us move on to Autumn at this point. Hello. There we go. I'm so excited because I know what you're going to talk about. And then oh, I have to good. Talk about it. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about my favorite musical. Uh, my favorite musical is South Pacific. Uh, <laughs> it is a classic Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. And I remember I grew up in a musical household. I remember my mom. I remember when the revival came to Broadway uh, with Matthew Morrison. And my mom actually flew us both out to New York just so we could see it. And it was an amazing production of such a fantastic story that for the time was so... I mean, I guess ahead of its time, you know, it was so progressive um, that 
you know, it's a story that takes place uh, of the South Pacific during World War II, um, where, you know, the American troops are occupying, you know, these islands and a woman who is uh, one of the nurses in the American army falls in love with a Frenchman who has been living in the South Pacific for many, many years and has a life established there and, you know, has two kids um, with a woman who is um, native to the island that they're that they're on. I don't know the name of the island. It's not Valley High. That's the name of the other island that they could go to. Um, but you you get to see this sort of story. It's so funny. I was telling my coworkers the other day, the, a couple of months ago, about South Pacific and how much I loved it, and and how you know they they really talk about um, you know racism amongst the American soldiers in South Pacific and how they feel about the people that they're fighting against. And you know they they bring up all of one of my favorite songs in the musical is um, you have to be carefully taught, and the whole song is about how you mm-hmm. have to be carefully taught to be prejudice towards other people that you have to be taught to think of other people in a specific way and so I'm talking to my coworkers about you know like what an important piece of history it was and blah 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 and my other coworker is sitting there you know she's probably in her 60s and she goes what are you talking about it's a love story and I'm like oh yeah I guess she does fall in love with this guy and that's part of the story and blah 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 um but no yeah you have to be carefully taught is such a a strong song mate like the one time I've seen it on stage the 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 person playing the Frenchman sang it with such anger at the situation it was obvious it was not anger at the woman that he was in love with that was sudden turns out was racist but it was anger at the situation and anger at the stuff she was carefully taught mm-hmm and it's just it, you know. I mean, I I should know when this musical came out. South <laughs> Pacific. I believe it was 1923. Yeah, it's pretty old. <sighs> wow, yeah. it's really that old. Um, they were really ahead of their time in predicting World War II. Is really what's um. <laughs> oh, ha 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 ha. Um, but it's I just such a good musical. It's such Autumn. a good musical. Yeah. Well, I, I want to I mean, Rogers and Hammerstein. I'm glad they made it. Like, yeah. I'm glad they made it onto this discussion. And, mm-hmm. and specifically, Everybody, Rogers yeah. and Hammerstein, I want to talk about something they do in South Pacific. And there's actually a beautiful one in South Pacific. And they do it in many of theirs, which is the concept is a concept of a dream ballet. I love me a good dream ballet. Mm, I uh, love Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma yep. definitely has one of the yep. more notable ones, but there's definitely one in South Pacific as well. And it's it's this idea that there's a moment where the the themes and leap motifs and stuff are just so so saturated that you can't speak them you can no longer sing them you have to dance them there's nothing <laughs> else that can be done them. you have to there's no other way to convey it it's just so it's so peak golden age theater of like no i am incapable of expressing this with words let's get dancers out there that's how we do it i mean the the only problem with south pacific is that miss saigon exists Okay. Whereas, like, never actually seen. South Pacific is a great musical of the time, but then you get like you know 100% inspired by South Pacific, like Miss Saigon. Uh, Similar stories, a little bit different, different you know historical period, but oh God, Miss Saigon. Like I've heard all the music, but I never saw it on stage, and then I saw it you know up at the in Hollywood and. 
I I went for the helicopter sequence because I always heard about it, and it's just as great as I thought it was going to be. But fuck that musical, <laughs> man! Uh, it makes it makes Romeo and Juliet look lighthearted. Um, Whoa, dang! Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a whole thing, and uh, you leave like everybody goes for a romping good time with a really popular musical, and everybody walks out like fuck. <laughs> so just watch. Why does my yeah. heart so much? And the one thing South Pacific is missing because of the the story and the the setting and everything is walk. You walk away having like, man, I'm so happy I watched that. I feel better about my life. And uh, there, and that's one of the things about those classic older Broadway musicals is. By the end of the musical, just about everything turns out fine for the main characters. Right. You know, and some tragedy does strike some of our supporting characters. Um, But, you know, the main male and female lead, you know, they get their, you know, happy ending by the end of the musical. Um, But it, and in the context of the musical, though, it's, it's nice because, you know, they're living through, you know, this war time and throughout so much of the musical you don't think that their relationship is going to work you know sorry spoiler alert they get together in the end. Uh, <laughs> it's um uh, it's from 1949 okay if you haven't heard of it now like <laughs> i don't feel bad it's a really um, good old movie like i was waiting until tomorrow what have you done <laughs> It's oh, no. also a great movie. I also have seen the film. The film is also very, very good. But the thing about it is the film is basically just like, and it, it's it's the same book. It's just whether or not they filmed it on a stage or or not. And it's funny, too, because, like, I, you know, I'll listen to some of the songs and I'm like, oh, it's so progressive. You know, you've got to be carefully taught. It's so beautiful. But then there's also like, there ain't nothing but a dame. Nothing in the world <laughs> has a soft and wavy frame like the silhouette of a dame. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize we were singing songs from our favorites. That would have been fun. Oh, oh. my gosh. <laughs> I, I, have I, been, no. I have been restraining myself this entire time. Do not give me the opportunity. I, I have, too. Dude, <laughs> I, you, you sensed it when I got into Rent. <laughs> oh, I, I had to try real hard not to sing too much during Rent because I was like, no, if we get into that, we're going to sing the whole musical. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can have a bonus episode where we just sing. I'm okay with that. Right? <laughs> we'll put that on the Patreon. But we're all singing our own favorite musicals over each other, right? Yes. <laughs> Is that the plan? Wowzers. Oh, call them medley, could, okay? That could be fun. <laughs> I mean, we could test it out for a moment and see what it sounds like. <laughs> no. No. Okay. I lose Wowzers. my dignity. Will yes, someone care? care? Will I wake tomorrow keep going. from this nightmare? Like fire! Gonna watch that man right out of my hair. Gonna watch that. Oh, oh we stopped. Sorry. <laughs> my dog started howling at me, so I literally make dogs bark when I sing. At last, I am complete. What? Let's stop in the musical. What do you want? Um. So there are podcasts in the sky. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Autumn touched on an interesting. Uh, point that old musicals tend to end on a happy note and uh, that's how they work and that's normally true I've got I'm only going to talk about one but there's really two favorite musicals hovering in my brain 
and they both don't end the happiest. Um, you gotta pick one. I, I know. I'm only gonna pick one. I'm sadly going to leave one of them behind just because I've never done a production of it, even though I'd love it. So we're gonna talk instead about On the Tefka. That's right. We're gonna talk about Fiddler on the Roof. Gotten the chance to do Fiddler on the Roof twice, which I shouldn't. I I probably this should never have happened, but I did get to play among other things Perchik in Fiddler on the Roof, which was just an absolute joy. Hmm. As a Gentile, you say? I know. I know. That's the problem. Blasphemy. The podcast. The podcast. But Fiddler (laughs) is just such. I, I like the first. I don't know, three-fourths of the show, aside from moments where, like, tragedy strikes in various places, but mostly it's just a joyous celebration of this family that is trying to hold itself together and also starting to learn things about growing as, as a person and figuring out what's going on with their lives. And then the last fourth of the move of the show is about a people getting tossed out of their home and just having to uproot their lives to survive. And as an actor, <sighs> there it's what I went into the enjoying the most as, as an actor is causing emotions in an audience, Ver- hearing emotion come out of an audience so the couple of times I did Fiddler on the Roof, hearing the tears that we have wrung out of these people as we were singing Anatevka at the end of the show was a beautiful thing. And I mentioned one of those times I was playing Perchik, so I wasn't even on stage for that, but I got to hear it from backstage as I sang part of it. Because, you know, when you do community productions of a large show, there's 15 of you and you need to all represent everything at the same time. I wasn't just Perchik. I also was a Russian in that bar scene of Lachaim to life because otherwise there would have been one Russian, I think in that entire scene. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wow. But even so it was just glorious to hear. And I, the second time I performed Fiddler on the Roof, when I was playing Perchik, there is a moment in which it's very simple. It's just supposed to be that Russians are destroying this wedding. Perchik is the only one in the entire village who's willing to stand up to them. He hits one person and then immediately gets knocked out. That's supposed to be what happens. And then no one else stands up because they are afraid of what is coming. The director decided that he wanted stage combat to go on. Nice. So what should oh, have wow. been a simple one-two punch was instead a 30-second fight scene in which I punched a couple of people. I got my face dragged across a table. A couple of the other villagers stood up to the Russians, which was weird considering the whole idea is that no one would step forward. But ultimately, despite all of that, I did, there was a night in which I was laying on the floor after all of that because it ends up with Perchik unconscious. No matter how you play this out, that's what needs to happen by the end of the scene. And as I'm laying there on the floor after getting knocked out, I heard the front row of the audience, some old lady said, oh, is he dead? 
And I was like, yes, I win. <laughs> I acted so good. Excellent. But Look, Ma, here I am. Ultimately, I, I just, I, and I guess it goes with the Into the Woods thing, too. I guess I do, number one, I love a, a sad ending, weirdly. Yeah. But I, beyond that, it's also, like, um, it has a message that I can get behind of just, like, you need, if people around you are growing, you either need to grow with them or you're going to lose them. And that was something that was beautiful to get to tell as an actor. Mm. That's lovely. Yeah. Plus, you got Beautiful. to work on your Yiddish. Exactly. <laughs> Classic. That's the yeah. real win here. Uh, what a boy. That was one of my dad's favorite musicals. My dad um, my dad grew up Jewish in New York, and um, he loved the song Sunrise, Sunset. He was, he, it would move him to tears every time. And I just remember that song having such an impact on him and watching the musical and I, I haven't seen the musical in a long time. I was pretty young when I watched it for the first time. But even as a young kid, I remember thinking, ah, I understand why my my father, who has, you know, you know, is in the not necessarily the twilight of his years, but you know, I'm I'm young. I'm in the sunrise of my years, and my my father is closer to his sunset, you know, so to speak. I remember being even young, understanding those words and thinking that they were so beautiful. Um, and I remember another instance where my dad and I had a fish tank and I, we bought a fiddler crab and I named my fiddler crab Tevier and he thought it was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was hysterical and I was really happy that somebody else thought my genius That's was peak dad humor. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. That's really good. 100% well done. Oh, thank you, thank you. We... That was also a show. Somebody... I, if anyone's familiar, just real quick, if anyone's familiar with uh, 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 the Fraser line, that's not right. Um, um, who played Fraser Crane? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. Grammer. Yeah. The, what he was, what was it called? The Kelsey line? The Grammar line? What was it on in that Disneyland stage? Cameron, you should know this. There, there is a line that was painted for the Aladdin oh, yeah, stage yeah, yeah. show where, where where he fell off. Yeah, he was doing something at on the stage for the Aladdin stage show, not Aladdin. And he just fell into the pit. So there was a painted long line. Uh, well, we had a very tiny theater for our Fiddler on the Roof run. And Artevier just stopped singing If I Were a Rich Man in the middle of one of our shows. And we like we also heard something terrible because we're just all backstage. It's just heavy on stage. But we were all wondering what happened, and then we just like hear him crawl back up on stage and continue singing. What a baller! Oh, but wow. apparently he was he was just dancing too hard and went right off the edge. So they built like a kick line that was there on the front of the stage for the re- that has existed the rest of that theater's time of just being aware of, hey, don't it, it, this is the edge of the stage. If you kick this, you're going too far. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right. Now, um, we're we're going to do, uh, I think this is probably our episode break real quick. So, uh, Wookie, I, I think we, we have another topic, but it might be here that we want to break it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about continuing, but uh, just because I recently discovered trying to throw up the uh, Rancor Pits and Crate Dragons episode that there is a limit 
to uh to how long an episode can go so uh we're just gonna say this is where this portion of our musical talk ends and that makes me really sad and sad because i'm really enjoying it and we could keep talking if you guys are down uh but you know all the things part two yeah from the podcast uh I have honorable. I ha- I have a list of honorable mentions that I wrote down <laughs> of musicals that I would like. Listen, we're not gonna have time to talk about them, so I've already got a list started. I'm just saying. Yeah. So this is to say that we have more ideas for musicals, in so much that we we have a list of uh, shows that we like, but we know they have problems, but we like them anyways. Uh, but there's not enough time because because we all are having a really great conversation. So uh, you guys plug the things that you want to, and then I'll wrap it all up, and then we'll finish. Yeah. All right. So... Let's start with Autumn. Okay. You can visit me on the social interwebs at Autumn Gaberski on Instagram, and you can go to my website, autumngaberski.com. You can listen to my voiceover demo reel where I do commercials and all kinds of fun stuff. You can see me on Twitter at autumn underscore Gaberski, where I'll probably go on a rant about different musicals. We could do an entire episode about just musical television. That would be good. <laughs> I was watching Centaur World on Netflix and I did just an entire net thread of just me commenting on that tv show so that was wild we could talk about centaur world oh centaur world dude that's a wild show season one is significantly better than season two but it's a very good show highly recommend it Mm. uh and then you can read my my twitter rant about it if you're interested um But yeah, you can you can see me on the socials there. Sometimes I sing, sometimes I dance, sometimes I say funny stuff. Check me out. Let's talk. Let's hang out. I I endorse great human being. Yeah. Aw, thanks. I love you guys. Yeah. Uh, Who's next, Cameron? I can go next. Uh, I try to make it real easy. You can go to camjackson.com. That is C-A-M as in Mary, J-A-X-N as in Nancy, dot com. You can find links to all of my social media on there. You can find links to a lot of my creative work, including uh, my poetry and some of my published stories. Uh, there's a few links on there. Um, I'm very proud of an award-winning video game that's linked on there that I wrote the story for. Um, I also do woodworking. Uh, you, you can find a lot of my work there, including crystal wands and magnifying glasses and pens all available for purchase uh if you want to send some money my way for things or just you know because you like sending me money camjackson.com to find all the world that is me nice steven thomas world famous podcaster sounds good we'll save the two co-hosts for last that sounds good uh so hi i'm steven aka silver bulet or silver underscore bulet on most places uh you can find me on twitter on Twitch, on YouTube. Uh, with all of those, you can see us playing Capes and Caverns on YouTube. All of our backlog is there. It is Dungeons and Dragons set in a superhero world. Autumn Blue and Cameron are doing me a huge favor by testing out the ridiculous system that I decided to <laughs> put an overlay on uh, on Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so that. That's all over there. Um, and then also you can find me uh, if you watch, watch? Wow, my words. If you listen to All the Webs a Stage, which is a short play podcast, you can find it on Anchor, just like you're finding this right now. But we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everything else that Anchor puts 
shows on. That is all the webs of stage. Nice. Mr. Blue, Earl of Blueberry. Well, you can always catch me at uh, bluewolfd.com, which will take you straight to my Instagram account. Um, on Instagram, I, I, I love to post up my art, although I haven't done it for a little while, and I really should. But that's because life. You know, I got married. I'm moving into a new house. Um, like, lots of stuff going on. So, yeah, come check it out. Uh, if you want to give me money for art, I will do stuff for you. You let me know, and then I'll draw it for you. So <laughs> I could always use some more money. Uh, you could always use some more art. I think it's a win-win situation. So hit me up sometime. Hey. Truly is. Uh, one of the most talented artists I know. Very fortunate that he's one of my besties. Uh, laugh it up football podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Maybe I'll respond. Sorry, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> anchor.fm <laughs> slash laugh dash it dash up dash fuzzball on the socials at Wookie Riot. Uh, remember, Wookie is two E's. It's not a cookie, it's a Wookie. Um, and uh, if you want merch for the podcast, tpublic.com slash user slash laugh dash it dash up dash fuzzball. There's some funny shirts up there. Uh, and uh, Autumn's been wearing one of them this whole time, although it's not a video podcast totally rocking the blue or the brown version of the last yeah and it looks so nice with the yellow and the brown wookie it's just i i bought a brown version of the shirt after seeing yours just because i liked how much it looked <laughs> yeah fashion entrepreneur that's not fair though autumn makes everything look good I, that's also one, true I've, I've worn several of the outfits i've seen autumn wearing and they just don't look the same <laughs> You know, I tried out those purple pants that she had, and believe me, it looks much better on her than it did on me. Uh, that seems 100% fair. I think uh, that's all the, the pluggish stuff. I'm just going to nestle back into to Steven's rippling abs on this horse that we've been riding this entire time and just be thankful for the four of you joining me for this journey. Yeah, yeah thanks for letting us hang out in the uh, the carriage behind you guys. It was really nice. Yeah, this is a great no, horse. No, I'm running alongside. If we're if we're explaining the narrative right now, I've just been sprinting this entire time. I am entirely out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank God we were going amazing. so low and slow. Yeah, and uh, if we uh, are really getting into it, I am the horse. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it changed, changed the narrative so much. It sure does. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Blue. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. This was beautiful. I was gonna yeah. ask Blue to sing "Build Me Up Buttercup" at the end of this uh, episode, but I feel like you know what, <laughs> Autumn. I'm endorsing this 100%. Blue, take it away, and then we'll end. Um, my roommates would kill me. Everybody, <laughs> all right. Sleep. We'll save it for part two. There we go. Okay. Keep, keep them wanting. There keep you go. wanting more. All there right. We go. There we go. So we'll we'll be back for more musical talk. It's going to have to happen because I know there every every one of us is going to be like, well, shit, we didn't get to say everything we wanted to say. Exactly. And, we and then we'll get to back. part two and we'll talk too long and we'll be like, uh oh, guess you got to do part three. We have we've never had a part three, Autumn. <gasps> really? That, that sounds yeah. like a threat. that sounds like a yeah, that sounds like a challenge. I mean, oh, we'll, we'll see stage how stage musical trilogy. All right. Shapes in musical caverns can go. I just feel bad because you guys aren't doing any of the stuff you're doing for your YouTube while you're wasting time with me. <laughs> That's all right. We missed like three out of four weeks anyways. That's true. In traditional that, that D&D fashion, true. we miss a lot. Classically. I mean, 
We're classically in, trained. In, in, total, in total honesty, there is 100% a character that I spent some time on that's supposed to be part of the campaign that has never <gasps> appeared. Oh, you could come. <laughs> Indeed, it's true. You can come in as a as a guest star. Yeah, I, I we can figure it out if we if we do uh, every other Monday thing. I've got complete availability. Mm. Ooh, tempting, tempting. That's awesome. We're, we're also just about to wrap up what I would call weirdly season one. So potentially, if we work this out, I one of the Cameron and Blue both proposed possibly stepping in as DMs. You know, so maybe we can get oh. you worked in here. Interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk, we'll talk off about the later. line, as the kids like to say. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this uh little journey through the caverns of musicality and uh if you like it at least roman let me know if you want more of it jack let me know if you want more of it danny let me know if you want more of it and uh even if I you want say more no, of it. there will probably be more of it yeah blue <laughs> let me know if you want more of it <laughs> autumn let me know if you want more of it so, i want more of it yeah we we appreciate each and every one of you listening, uh, and hopefully it's been a nice. Yeah, I mean, it's still geeky, but it's a it's a little bit different, and that's okay. And until the next uh, level of the podcast, TTFN, Cameron, Autumn, Stephen, Blue, and Joe the Wookie Riot, out, 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 punch it, Wookie.